In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. We need men in our lives to fill different roles as we come and live out our lives for Jesus and become the best version of ourselves. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everybody wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10 with Jim Ramos, that's me, and Dale Culver. That's me. Hey, do you have a man law for me today, man? (laughs) Yes. Men do not compare. They get inspired by other men, but do not measure your success by someone else's. I just imagined college football in the showers there there for a second. I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Look up, look up. <laughs> you don't, And you don't know someone else's circumstances, how they got there, and uh, what they're living in right now. So it, it doesn't do you any good to compare your life to someone else's and want what they've got. Yeah, I, I remember Mike Iaconelli, who was really was one of the guys who I would say made vocational youth ministry a thing, and he was the president of uh, youth specialties. He used to say... <laughs> Don't judge about don't judge what you don't know about me based on what you do know about you. There's always a backstory. Uh, things are never perfect, especially in social media when we want to put our social media is all about our highlight film kind mm-hmm. of. I want to see somebody put on social media the truth of their life. Right. You know, got in a fight with my kid today, hit kicked my dog, stepped in the dog's <laughs> crap, you know. <laughs> Threw my cat across the room, yelled at my wife, and uh, it's only seven in the morning. Yeah, you know, but we don't do that. Go hang out in your pastor's house, and he doesn't know you're there before he goes to preach. <laughs> yeah, he does everything he going doesn't on in that. House. Yeah, well, we had a guy in our podcast recently who was an expert in marriage, and in the middle of the podcast, his wife's opened the door, and she starts screaming at him. And that, you know, <laughs> we and, cut you know, that out. That's the real deal, baby. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So you know, and that's Shannon. I've always tried to just the blood and guts of our marriage. You know, if you're with us, we are who we are. But but I also acknowledge that our social media personality type, our personalities, are different. Mm-hmm. And so I notice that, that we only post the things we're proud about, proud of, or the cool things we're doing. And it just gives people a very inaccurate and unfair picture of who we really are. So, no, I, I think comparing is just a very, very dangerous game. And it's a slippery slope. Yep. So appreciate that one. So, hey, guys, I want to get back to part two of our series called Men on the Roof. And as you remember last week, we talked to you about Mark, from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and we told you that these men on the roof, these, this elite 
this mysterious, this enigmatic group of men on your roof, these guys are men who love the Word of God more than they love you, and they are not afraid to tell you the brutal truth as it regards to the Word of God. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So that was last week. Today we're going to move into a little bit different section. We're going to jump down to verse 3 in Mark chapter 2. And uh, the continuance of the story about the men who brought their paralytic paralytic buddy to Jesus. Remember, they 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 got him up on the roof. Now, remember, the Palestinian homes back in the day of Jesus were mostly one room, rectangular or square, with a flat roof with a little guardrail around it, which you know that from Deuteronomy twenty-two verse eight. And uh, and basically that room, because it was so hot in the summer, they would go up to the roof in the winter in the summertime and hang out. So it was kind of like an ancient man cave. And there was a little ladder that went up to the roof, and that's what they did. If you were really if you were more of a wealthy person, you would have tiles up on the roof. And if you were more of the middle class uh, guy, your your rooftop would be covered with grass and it just natural grasses growing up there. So this particular house we know from Luke chapter five was a a man who had means. Uh, it was a house. The roof was made of tile. This was the house that Jesus actually stayed in when he, when he was in his in Capernaum, which remember his, was his home base. So here is Jesus. He's in Capernaum. He's staying at the house where he lives. He's probably either renting it or one of his uh, ministry supporters is providing it. He is here. And, and the Bible says in verse 3, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Now, again, this is not a parable of Jesus. This is an actual historical event. This happened. It's recorded by Luke. It's recorded through Mark, which, as you know, is Peter's translator. Uh, And this is an actual historical event. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I want to make things like into nice stories. This actually happened. This This happened. And I want you to imagine the scene. This place is packed the house is packed inside. The door is packed. There are people outside. They're jumping up. They're looking over the top of others, doing whatever they can to hear Jesus teach and to watch Jesus heal. And this is like you go to a concert and you can't see the stage. You're doing whatever you can to do this. And it's really interesting. When people read this parable, this parable, this story, they go, oh, four guys. Okay. No, the Bible never says that f- there were four men on the roof. The Bible never says this is a group of four men. The Bible says, and they came. Other translations say, and some came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So yes, four men were carrying Jesus, but more than four men came. Now I want you to think about this. Imagine the crowd. Somebody's got to break through the crowd so that these four guys carrying their buddy on a wood pallet can get through the crowd. Somebody has to get up on the roof while they raise their buddy up. Have you ever carried dead weight? If you're a hunter, you know what it's like to drag 150 or 200 pounds through the mountains. You know how how hard it is to move dead weight. So this paralyzed guy is like carrying dead weight. So it would have taken four guys on the bottom with a pallet, and I would say at least four guys on the roof to catch him, right? So now imagine, so now there's there's eight guys potentially. Somebody's got to dig a hole through the ceiling and remove the tiles. And then the other question is, who catches the man at the bottom? You know, they lower the man down. He has balcony seating. He's probably, I imagine that he's, he, they stop lowering him above Jesus, not, not on the floor, but he's above Jesus. 
It took a crowd of people there to to make this thing happen. So realize there were not just four men. I believe there were as many as eight to ten men. And this is a great illustration for us because just as the paralytic needed different men to fill different roles to get him to Jesus, we need men in our lives to fill different roles as we come and live out our lives for Jesus and become the best version of ourselves. Here's what I mean. You know, we are, as men, we are masters of focus. Uh, women are, na- are masters of intermingling components and multitasking. We, 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 do, we do focus really well and really natural. They do multitasking very, very well. But the problem, if you, and guys, if you want to test this, do this. Go home tonight and ask your wife what she's thinking. And if she says nothing, back off and get out of the house, man. That means she's thinking about everything. But if she ever asks you what you're thinking about and you say nothing, what does that mean, guys? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) So here we go. So because of this, this puts men at a disadvantage when it comes to life because we are very compartmentalized. So we have our work box. We have our free time box. We have our hobby box. We have our church box. And what has to happen is all of those boxes need to intermingle, especially our spiritual box. That weaves through all all of life. But what we, we need here, and I think what Mark chapter 2, verse 3 is teaching us today, is we may need men on the roof to fill the various roles and holes in our life. So we don't just need our small group of guys that meets once a week from church. We also need a guy at, ch- at work who's going to call us out and keep us accountable. We need a guy, uh, one of our buddies who has a hobby with us, who can, who can make sure that that hobby does not get out of balance. You know, our wife... I know we're calling this series Men on the Roof, but you guys know she's on the roof, right? Uh, We need her to be strong and to be vibrant and to be healthy spiritually. We need multiple people in our lives to fill the various roles and holes in our lives. As as I become, uh, as my sons are moving into adulthood, they are becoming these men on the roof. They call me out as well as I call them out. I love that relationship. And so, guys, we need to pray for the men on our roof daily. We need them strong. We need them ballsy. We need them white hot for Jesus because they are catalysts in our lives for us becoming the best version of ourselves. So again, guys, I ask you, who are the men on your roof at work, at home, with your hobbies, with your free time? Where does your life lack a man on the roof to keep you accountable? And I'll guarantee you it's an area of weakness in your life. So guys, hey, you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. Why don't you head on over to our website at meninthearena.org. Grab your free PDF version of our bathroom book for men. You're going to love this book. And when you do so, we'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast for men. It's designed to help you become the best version of you. It's not a marketing deal at all. It's strictly to equip you because you, as a Men in the Arena, are our MVP. And we want to take care of you guys and keep you strong in the game, man. Then head on over to Facebook, join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum that is just for men. Guys, did you know that the Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version? Because of a large group of generous men like you, we're able to offer absolutely free this podcast, our weekly equipping blast, all of our discussion forums, plus we offer free our resources to missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. We've got a guy in India and Korea wanting to start groups right now as we speak. You can find out more about how to support this great ministry at menonarena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Get on the roof. 
grind it out, and be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everybody wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.